watching the news, uh, but some friends of ours are in town. The Westboro Baptist Church uh, has come to, to Nashville. I was kind of, if I'm being honest, I was a little hurt uh, because the Phelps, do you, know who, if, do you know who I'm talking about when I say Westboro Baptist Church? The crazy people that go and picket soldiers' funerals. and yeah. uh, I get random tweets from, uh, from Margie Phelps from time to time calling me th- things like uh, lascivious brute and, and whatever. But uh, I, I thought about <laughs> what's the best response to this? And it's, by the way, perfect timing because we're in Romans 8.1. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus we just, I've, always, I've often said, I think, that whatever, wherever we are, there we are. You know, when you're going through the Bible, chapter by chapter, verse by verse, oftentimes, wherever you are, there you are. And here we are with these guys in town. And I thought this is probably the best uh, response that I've seen to, sorry, uh, to this, which is in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Are you guys ready? Do you guys know what it means to get rickrolled? <laughs> rickrolled was a phenomena on the internet where people would send out links. You'd think it's some important link, and you'd open it and be a, a copy of the Rick Astley video, uh, Your Love. So these high school students two years ago went up and rickrolled the Westboro Baptist Church, played the Rick Astley song so loud that they couldn't hear their. So if you kids are not old enough, you don't remember Rick Astley. I'm really sorry. So you don't remember the Rick Roll phenomenon on the internet? Some of you do. So two years ago, this kind of this this thing unfolded, and you'd get like an email, and it was some important link that you thought was important, and you'd click on it, and it would be a, a, a website that says you got Rick Rolled, and then the Rick Astley video would pop into uh, onto you. So I, I don't know, I thought that was like the most uh, primo response of anything was just to, to rickroll them. Uh, would you open your Bibles to the book of uh, Romans chapter 8, verse 1? This was one of the, twe- the tweets that I got from Margie Phelps back in April. Lascivious, nasty brute. Isn't she great? She'd love to be her son. Um, Uh, that, I'm saying, and I thought they drove all this way. Why, you know, or what do I chop liver? I, come pick at us, but you know, uh, <laughs> I did actually. Uh, like Margie, well, I, thought, I actually said Margie. I thought we had something. <laughs> she, <laughs> she didn't respond. Verse one: There is therefore now. No condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus who do not walk according to the flesh but according to the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, 
God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh on account of sin. He condemned sin in the flesh that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh but according to the spirit. And for those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh but those who live according to the spirit the things of the spirit. For to be carnally minded is death but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Father, would you illuminate your word to us this morning that we might leave here different than we came. That we might feel the power, the, the uh, forgiveness, the goodness that you've given to us. And that your Holy Spirit would change us. In Jesus' name, amen. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Uh, what are some, when, when you think about when you've blown it in the past, and, and just feel free to spout it out if, 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 if something comes to your mind as to what it is, but when you've blown it really bad, what are, what's the conversation like in your head? What, is, what do you feel when you've got, like, like for me, like oftentimes I'm like, man, you're such an idiot. Does I? Okay. <laughs> I just thought I with, with the, the uh, screen, just to make sure there wasn't anything on there. Uh, uh, for me, it's like such, I feel like such an idiot. Like, oh, you stupid, you can't. Th those are some, the, some thoughts that go into my mind. What are, what are your thoughts? Like, what is the... You've blown it, you, you lost your cool with your kids, you said something you shouldn't, you did something you ought not to. What, do you, what is your initial thought? What is that conversation like? Edie. I think I deserve what's coming. Made my bed, I gotta. Yeah, I made my bed, I'm gonna lie in it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that one sucks. <laughs> well, that one might be true. Uh. <laughs> Lobotomy, that's a good one. Wish it were true, huh? Anyone else? It's like a condemning feeling, isn't it? Too? There's a difference, by the way, between conviction and condemnation. Don't get me wrong. There's a, a moment when you ought to feel like, oh, I shouldn't have done that. And the, and the scriptures would even speak of of a uh, uh, fruits of repentance that I, I'm re I've repented of this and so I'm going to change. I'm gonna, but the difference is, is when it goes from conviction to condemnation. And I don't know how we miss it because even we sang about the glory of God. The worship was, was great this morning. Thank you guys for that. But the glory of God. What, what did Moses, when he asked God, show me your glory, what happened? God said in Exodus 33, 18-ish, he said, I will, I'm going to, he said, Moses said, show me your glory, and God said, I will let my goodness pass in front of you. The glory of God isn't some weird, esoteric, ethereal thing in the outer limits of, of space, it's his goodness. His business card, if he had one, probably would have said, Jesus uh, does good. 
I say that because in Acts 10.38, Peter says this Jesus Christ of Nazareth who went around doing good. It's his goodness that leads us to repentance, Paul tells us. And so how do we get it that I need to beat myself up every time I blow it? That, and again, not the conviction, but like the, oh, I can't believe I did that. And we begin to separate ourselves from him. Whenever you see a therefore in scripture, I don't know if this is uh, Bible 101, but if you don't know this, when you see a therefore, you should look in the verses immediately preceding it to see what it is therefore. And Romans 8, 1 starts with, therefore there is no condemnation. Therefore it just simply means because of this, there's no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. And in the verses immediately preceding that, Romans 7 29, Paul is kind of given this little autobiographical moment of, you know, the whole, why do I do the things I don't want to do? What I do want to do, I don't, and vice versa. Wretched man that I am, who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? He is condemning himself. He's saying, this is what I do in this moment. And he says, thanks be to God who delivers me through or in Christ Jesus. You've probably asked the question that I've asked, which is, how do I do this? If you were to go to a Christian bookstore or to the Amazon.com and look at the Christian titles, you would assume that everything is a how-to guide. How to do this in 10 easy steps. How to do that. How do I? And the problem is, is I'm asking the wrong question. I'm asking the question of how do I do this, but it's not a how, it's a who. Horton, here's a who. It's not how, but who. When I was 16 years old, I was in the Guatemala uh, city, and we were on a mission trip with this uh, dude named Ron Luce. There was like 30 kids, and we were doing things that you ought not to do on a mission trip, which is we went out on our own to go have some dinner uh, without any, we had like, an, I think the oldest person there with us was 19, and we went and we did what, you know, kids do is we lost track of time, and we got on the bus because we're going to be late. And we realized, uh-oh, we got on the wrong bus. And so we got off at the next stop, which incidentally was not the best part of town to get off on in Guatemala City when you are a 16-year-old uh, white kid. And it's 9.30, and the bus has stopped running at 10, and we are monumentally hosed at this point. We don't know what bus to get on. We don't know where we are. We don't have cell phones. It's, you know, it's 80. It was a weird time, like when there was no cell phones. They had like a little wire on it went to the wall. We needed. So we. The Bassanios have one of those in their kitchen if you want to see one. It's like a cable that hooks to the phone. <laughs> That's right. So we're sitting there going, now what do we do? And I remember we joined hands and we prayed. Like, God, help us. And we just decided whatever the next bus was that shows up, we're getting on that bus because it's, it's going to take us somewhere better than here, theoretically. We get onto that bus. It finally shows up. Again, the buses are going to stop running, and we're a long way. And on the front row of the bus is a dude wearing the uniform for the hotel that we were staying at. And he spoke English. And so we say, oh my goodness, are you going? Oh yeah, I'm going to work. I work the night shift. 
we get on the bus, and we actually have to make a change. We have to go to a bus place, get off that bus, catch another bus, the last bus for the night, which is why this guy was on it. He knew the system, so he knew the last bus that would get him to the hotel. We got back, and we were safe and sound that night, and I want you to know that I never saw that guy again. The hotel wasn't that big. Like, it was, wasn't that big. And we never saw him again. The guy that worked the night shift at the hotel, I don't know. I just know we got back. But what the answer to my question was, how are we going to get back? And the answer wasn't how, but who. Who will get us back? He got us back that night. That is who delivers us from this body of sin that we are in. Not how, but who. And I say this because in our world right now, there is this, it's like there's two ditches that we get in. There's one which is the Westboro ditch, you know, and we can laugh at them and make fun because it is kind of ridiculous. But some of us grew up in environments that weren't far from that. We might not have had like sandwich board signs and a bullhorn, but we sure didn't listen to uh, rock and roll music. We sure didn't listen to uh, the Christian rock music, some of you guys, because we were in that ditch of, of this thing where it's about sin, and so I begin to p- pretend to be somebody that I'm not because of that. Then there's the other ditch, which is because we grew up in that, and there's this reactionary thing of where I'm going to be over here, where all of a sudden, there, so the, you know, there's therefore now no condemnation means. That means because nothing is sin. Nothing's off limits. I'm good. These things that are in scripture said we shouldn't do not because God's some big buzzkill but because he knows it would hurt us we just begin to rewrite it and say well I can do that because there's no condemnation I don't have to be all like holy holy you know I'm just there's no condemnation and that's the other side of it too but that is not how there is no condemnation the no condemnation is living authentically in a relationship with Christ in him Authenticity has been defined, I think, sometimes as being, bro, this is just how I am. This is how I was created. This is how I am. Uh, Deal with it. A lot of times, people that are very angry people will say that. Or they'll say, I'm just really honest. That's just how I am. You just got, you know, take it or leave it. That's just how I am. Which is a cover for being a jerk. And saying, I can't help myself because it's how I am. There are certain lifestyles that people have followed and they will say, that's just how I am. I can't help myself. That's how I am. And so what begins to happen is this idea that I can't help myself. Authenticity means that I just be who I am. Authenticity isn't that. Authenticity is being okay with who you are, but not settling for where you are. That I can stand before my father in his goodness and say, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. In Christ, meaning that like, like I've eaten uh, a lot of nachos in my lifetime. You can tell. But when you eat those sinful things, they're in you. You can't see them anymore. They're gone. They're in me. When I'm in, so I, when you are standing before the Father, he's not looking at you. He's looking at Christ because you're in Christ. There is a picture of it that is so perfect when Noah, when God in the book of Genesis tells Noah and his boys, go build an ark, and he says to line it with pitch. 
It is the same word in the Hebrew that is used for atonement, at one with God. Line it with pitch, and then get in the ark. What he did not say was, I'm going to throw some life rafts off the side of the ark, and you hold on for all you can. Here's some ropes and some ladders, and hang on and hope that you make it. He said, in the ark, they would be safe. And the ark was safe with pitch, which was oil that would seal the boat that kept it from leaking. It's what kept it afloat. It's what kept them safe. It's the same word used for atonement when speaking of the sacrifices for the atonement of their sins. Same word. We are in Christ. We are at one with him in the boat. Not hanging on for dear life, trying with everything we can to not blow it, but in him. The picture of power over sin, we're safe from it, we have power over it, is made most beautifully when Jesus would encounter a woman who was caught in an act of adultery. And you might remember the story that these men had brought her there. Interesting that they didn't bring the man. They weren't looking to, for justice, they were looking to try to trap Jesus. But they drag her there and she is naked. She is ashamed. And they say, Master, should we kill her? Should, you know, why, why shouldn't we stone her? This is what the scripture says. And he looks up and says to them that whoever, you know the story, whoever has no sin, please entertain yourself. Throw the first stone. And then it says that he uh, began to write on the ground. Billy Graham says that this is the only sermon that Jesus ever wrote. Nobody knows what he wrote that day. Part of me wonders if what he wrote was the names of each person standing there and their sin. Like, hey, there's Darren. He's a jerk. He's done this. And, and you're like, oh, crud, I don't, you know. Like, one by one, their name, what they did. And suddenly it says, because it says, and one by one, they left. And there she stood for the first time maybe in her life, unashamed as it was meant to be in the Garden of Eden when Eve would stand, it's just that they, there was no shame. They stood naked and, and unashamed. But he then says to her something really interesting. He says, go and sin no more. And you might be thinking, see, Darren, that's it. You, you're getting too gracie on me. That's you go, go and sin no more. Don't do that. As a, as a command for us. But I wonder if we're missing the point, if we're missing the intonement of it in that he was not with a finger pointing in her face, but a smile on his face saying, go and sin no more, meaning I've given you the power to not have to do this anymore. You don't have to wake up that way anymore. You don't have to live that way. When you're younger, it's like, I think it's when I was young, I'm thinking, this, is, this stinks, man. I can't do anything. But what it was in God's promises to us is that, look, if you go down that road and and you have that relationship with him or her before you're married, well, here's what'll happen. Here's what happens when you do that and then you break up. It rips your souls apart from each other and your heart is torn out. I'm trying to help you here. You don't have to do that anymore. I have power over it. And here's the thing. Paul, back in Romans, gives us the picture. It's really simple. It isn't about, 
I'm never going to do that again, right, starting right now. We've talked about that, right, the list. It isn't a, oh, I can't, I'm going to stop that. I gotta, I'm going to, or, and Angela Rankin uh, shared this in her blog this week. It isn't the other side of it where it's, I'm going to do all this good now. I'm going to get up at 5 a.m. every morning, and then I'm going to pray for an hour. How many have done that? I mean, and how well did it work? I'm going to read every day. I'm going to go through the entire Bible in a year. And then you get to Leviticus in February and it's over. <laughs> or you take a pass on the genealogy days. The next thing you know, it's March and you're still back in Leviticus and you didn't make it and you're condemning yourself. And the, the thing is, is this, that is not how there is no condemnation in Christ Jesus. There is no condemnation in Christ Jesus by in the next verse, it talks about living according to the Spirit. You see, when I wake up in the morning, I can just say to the Lord, what do you want me to do today? This, where would you lead me now? The Spirit says, and maybe the Spirit leads you to go to the Word first thing in the morning. Maybe the Spirit leads you to pray for somebody. Maybe the Spirit leads you at the grocery store to let that nice lady who's got that big bag of groceries in front of you in line Maybe the Spirit leads you to not treat your wife like that. Maybe the Spirit, whatever the Spirit, that's where we're led from because the rules and the regulations, they just didn't work. The law wasn't meant to do anything else but to show me, Paul would say, he's a schoolmaster, that I can't do it. That's why there had to be Jesus. It's why there had to be a Messiah to come and to rescue us because I can't do it. It doesn't excuse me to just wallow in it, but he gave me freedom from the power of what it would be and then freedom from the penalty of when I would blow it because, hey, guess what? All have sinned. All have fallen short of the glory of God. And there is a freedom that we can experience. And I hope that you're getting that freedom in your life. And if you're not, seek it today. Angela in her blog would say that she was talking about how she began to hate the Bible because it was like oppressive. All, all, she saw the rules and the regulations and, and it was all these things that she couldn't do and it was these commandments that she couldn't keep up with. And she writes at the end that when she began to realize that it was Jesus that she needed, not doing good, and she makes an interesting point of between the, the, the tree and the garden was the knowledge of the good and evil. Both can be a trap for us. The doing good thing can be a trap if I'm doing it without the Spirit leading me. If I'm just doing good, that's just morality. Even the Buddhists can do that. But that is not what he led us to do. He led us to be led by the Spirit. And she says at the end of it that she says, um, talked about a prayer that she prayed. And then she says, do you know the first thing that, that happened that changed after Jesus happened? Talking about the scriptures again. She says that every page emerged drenched in grace. That every law emerged for my atonement. That every line written emerged with the laugh lines of Jesus' eyes. Every story told emerged with his heartbeat at its core. Every command emerged with a promise, and every truth emerged held by his bleeding love. And she says, how do you not fall in love with that? 
For the first time in my life, I breathed free air and pressed the Bible to my face again like an oxygen mask. That was the first difference I noticed when Jesus came in. He emerged. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Those people that walked away that day as that lady stood there, when Jesus said, woman, where are your accusers? She said, they've all gone. I think that they missed it because they had the same grace offered to them that day, and they walked away from it. And here's the thing. They walked away from it, and they were the do-gooders. I think sometimes in our do-gooding that we walk away from his grace because it can't be that easy. It can't be that. Seriously, that? Have you ever wondered what is so amazing about grace when you're singing the song Amazing Grace? They had the same opportunity that she had, and they walked away from it. I, I mentioned to you Westboro Baptist Church this morning because that is such a caricature of God's anger and wrath, and it's not accurate, and his wrath was uh, satisfied on the cross. It's like they stopped in Romans 1 and went and painted their signs and left. Like, well, we'll back up. You didn't even get the Romans 2 yet. Verse 1. But I say that because the caricature is awful and it makes your blood boil when you see these people saying these things. But why would you let yourself, your mind, say those things to yourself? It's crazy when they do it, but when I'm saying it to myself, for some reason that doesn't seem crazy anymore. But it is. Because when I am beating myself up with condemnation, I am just saying to the grace of God, to what Christ paid for on the cross, it's not enough. I need a little bit more. I'm saying that the finished work of the cross wasn't enough, but it is. And so I'm, it's an insult to Jesus and what he did when I beat myself up. When I am looking at a sign, it says God is your enemy. And we think, that's crazy. That's a, why would you do that to these people that are there? And we do it to ourselves. Let me ask you this. What is your first instinct when you blow it, when you're in sin? Is, to, is it to run to Jesus? Is it to run to your friend? Or is it to hide from him? I don't hide from my friends. I hide from my enemies. I may not have the crazy lady from Westboro standing in my front yard saying, God is your enemy, but I have a crazy lady in my head telling me, God is your enemy. Hide, run. He's mad. When Paul would in verse 5 say, don't be carnally minded, this is what he means. I'm living according to the Spirit. The carnal mind would say to me to run and to hide because God is my enemy. Or the idea that God sent the killers. That's crazy. That's insulting. It's awful. But what did Edie say? Right? The, the, what, and you've thought that. I deserve what I'm getting. I deserve this. Whatever's coming, I deserve it. And I begin to condemn myself with God's, I better brace myself because God is coming with a giant hammer and a game of uh, Jesus whack-a-mole just looking for you to blow it. Boom. And it's awful and it's terrible and we let ourselves do it in our own minds 
with our own signs. When I see a sign that says, mourn for your sins, again, there's fruits of repentance. Depression, not one of them. Feeling remorse, that's good, that's healthy. Letting it go into, I can't even get out of bed because I am such a screw-up, is condemnation. You would never let somebody come into your front yard and say that to your children, but you'll say it to yourself in your own conversations in your head, condemning yourself. When I see a sign that says, no peace for the wicked, are you feeling anxiety? Are you feeling nervous and stressed and, oh, because I'm just... I'm, are you, it's you condemning yourself because I can't have the peace that passes understanding because I'm not good enough for it. And I could go on and on. There are lots of signs. I wanted to just lay a few of them out because to say that there's a conversation that goes on in your head that is a carnal mindset that is not the spirit of God. The spirit would say, hey, that, don't do that again. That wasn't very smart. But man, I love you. Just like you do with your kids when you're in your best moments. It's a glimpse of Eden. My father wants to say to us, hey, don't do that again. That, that'll hurt you. But I love you. I'm proud of you. No matter what. I love you. But that's not the conversation in my head is you're a screw up. Can you believe? Oh. If there's one thing that I know is that God hates Signs. <laughs> he does not want us to live carnally minded because he paid for us to be able to live by the Spirit. The Spirit that gives us freedom from the power of sin over our lives, the freedom that gives us freedom from the condemnation for when I blow it, the freedom that gives me liberty to go and to be in the spirit who God created me to be. And when I'm carnally minded, I've just surrounded myself with a bunch of crazy people and sandwich, sandwich board signs in my mind. What do we do about this? I thought about it this morning. I thought a lot. What, what is something that will ink my mind and maybe your mind that you won't forget this? When the condemnation comes later today, if the condemnation is there right now, why don't you rickroll it? This was awesome about 30 years ago. You don't think I didn't want a pair of those Ray-Bans? <laughs> Alright, that's enough of that. When your sin comes, <laughs> your condemnation comes. <laughs> I literally, I couldn't fit into the trench coat. Otherwise, you know, I still have it. No, I'm just kidding, I don't have it anymore. Uh, the lyrics of the song. Can't even believe we're doing this. <laughs> Never gonna give you up, let you down.
never going to run around and desert you, never going to make you cry, never going to say goodbye, never going to tell a lie and hurt you. I know it's cheesy. But it's like he's Roman. I'm never going to leave you nor forsake you. Rickroll your condemnation. When it comes, imagine the crazy Westboro lady calling you a nasty brute, lascivious. And I say that because we, if we realize how crazy it is, we're like, oh, that can't, that's crazy. And when they, these high school seniors went to Milwaukee, Wisconsin and played that song so loud that they couldn't hear the crazy people, rickroll it with scripture. The condemnation comes. Oh, no, no, no. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Uh, you'll never leave me nor forsake me. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And say it out loud in prayer to him. Rickroll it. Because the condemnation is rejected as we are saying that and it drowns out the insanity and the crap that our carnal mind throws at us saying that I'm not worthy, I'm not good enough, that I suck, that I can't do this. Those things that are in our minds that are harsh, and some of us, our language is a lot worse in our head than what I just said. But that's it, and we drown it out with, oh, no, no, there is therefore now no condemnation. Those are in Christ Jesus. Who would rescue me from this body of sin and affliction? Thank God Jesus Christ will do it. It's not a how, it's a who. He is the guy. As long as you're on the bus with him. Let me tell you what, the guy that sent us back to the hotel in Guatemala, if I'd have jumped off of there at any point, I'm kind of host. It wasn't how I was getting back, it was who that was getting me there. And as long as I stayed on the bus, he's sitting right in the front row. I can see his face to this day. I'll never forget it who he will set you free. My prayer today is that you enjoy the freedom that he paid for. You might as well. It's like going to the restaurant and it's all on me. Everything, anything on the menu is not off limits. It's funny when you're a manager, by the way, and you take your band to the, uh, any of my former clients out here? When you take a, a band to the, <laughs> to the restaurant, <laughs> When they know you're paying, it is fascinating how fast they can get to the lobster page. <laughs> you think I'm kidding. I'm like, hey, boys, wow. have to book a couple shows. Uh, incidentally, the Everlife Girls never did that. No. <laughs> I'm actually not just saying that. You guys never do that to me. <laughs> you ate salads. They were gluten-free. It was awesome. <laughs> they couldn't order anything. God is telling you, turn to the lobster page. Get whatever you want. Why would you eat the jello? It's all on him. Enjoy the freedom that comes with no condemnation in Christ Jesus. I dare you to wake up tomorrow morning and not open your Bible out of a discipline. I dare you to get up tomorrow morning and not look at your list of things that you got to do for Jesus today. And instead, to get on your knees and say, I'm here. What, what do you got for me today? I am reporting for duty. 
Spirit, what would you do for me today? He said he would do that. He said, I'll write my will on your hearts and on your minds. Those ideas that when they pop into your head, they make your heart skip a beat. Hey, that's the Holy Spirit. You ought to listen to it. Wait for that word and go. And just take the step and you, you'll, today will happen. And, and you know what? I bet he'll, te- I'll bet he'll lead you to get in the scriptures. I'll bet he'll say, hey, you should really read this. Or, or when you're reading the scriptures, you're saying, Spirit, what does this mean? Don't even go to the next chapter. I don't care if you're, if you're three months off on the one-year plan, but he says to park here and, and let it ruminate in your souls. Let the Spirit lead you. The Bible isn't an academic exercise. It's a Holy Spirit experience. And it's when we don't know that and don't do that that, we, that it becomes rote and it becomes a discipline. It's what Angela experienced. It's what I've experienced. It's probably what some of you are experiencing right now to the point where you don't put, even pick up your Bible anymore because I don't understand it. I don't even, it's, it's nothing that I look forward to. It's like, eh. Go into the spirit and say, Lord, how would you speak to me today? As we worship for one more song. If any of your kids are uh, injured, uh, you did get the waivers this morning in my, right, I'm assuming. As we worship for just a couple minutes more, might you this morning experience the freedom that he promised and he paid for for you. Rick roll your condemnation. Rick roll it. You don't have to live that way under condemnation from your carnal mind. Father, would you speak to us this morning and give me a renewed sense of that, a, a sense for all of us in here of what you paid for was freedom. What you paid for was liberation. What you paid for was I am not condemned because I am in you. I am safe in your ark in the boat that you have built and layered with pitch and protected me from that. I'm not hanging on for dear life. I'm resting in you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.